Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast for book four, chapter 11 of War and Peace. How do you think this conflict over Sonia will affect Dolokhov and Rostov's friendship? Uh, well, you know, if it's going to be anything like Dolokhov and Pierre's friendship, uh, I don't think Dolokhov's going to have many friends left after a little while. Uh, what do you make of Rostov's proclamation about his feelings towards Sonia? Do you think Sonia was expecting something different? Do you believe what Rostov was saying? It's kind of cute how these two are almost trying to cut each other some slack. Like they both are in love with each other, Sonia and Rostov, but they also both keep like trying to offer each other freedom to go and meet other people, marry other people, whatever it might be. Ripster66 says, Well, Dolokhov does not like to be rebuffed, and I think he will certainly blame Nikolai for the embarrassment he certainly feels for being turned down. I hope Nikolai is smart enough to realize he's got an enemy now in Dolokhov. Poor Nikolai doesn't quite know what to do with his emotions. He loves Sonia, but then encourages her to reconsider Dolokhov. I found his reaction a little baffling, but then remember how young he and Sonia are. Got a little crackle in my voice tonight. Can you hear that? Uh, <clears throat> he continues to urge her to reconsider the proposal, but then continues to kiss her hand. He's loved her all along, even with staying away and parting all holiday season. He just can't figure out what to do with how he feels or what the right thing to do is. It's a confused boy. Twisted Everywhere says, Okay, now I'm irritated with Nikolai. He's toying with Sonia. Once again, Natasha is the voice of reason here. I'm with her in saying that he will never marry Sonia. His mother doesn't wish the match. He wants to sow his wild oats. And he knows Sonia is so devoted to him, she's going to hang around no matter what. I don't believe he loves her. And him trying to convince her to marry Dolokhov is quite the charade. Also, I would have hoped Sonia would have refused Dolokhov's proposal because she knows what he's done. Surely Natasha knows what the duel was about if she's on Pierre's side. So I assume everyone knows that he was accused of having an affair with a married woman, but no, she turned him down for a mere scrap of hope that Nikolai loved her. Starfire Galaxy says, Damn, I missed a chapter reading and we're already back in December. Lol. I liked Dolokhov's friendship with Rostov, even though I don't like Rost Dolokhov himself. So this new rift will definitely affect them. I hope Sonia doesn't get hurt physically, nor emotionally, during it. Physically. I can't imagine she'll be hurt physically, but then hey, you never know what's going to happen in old war and peace. Alright, let us read chapter 12, which goes like this. Iogles were the most enjoyable balls in Moscow. Jeez, brag about it. So said the mothers as they watched their young people executing their newly learned steps, and so said the youths and maidens themselves as they danced till they were ready to drop, and so said the grown-up young men, the grown-up young men and women who came to these balls with an air of condescension and found them most enjoyable. That year, two marriages had come of these balls. The two pretty young princesses Gorchakov met suitors there and were married, and so further increased the fame of these dances. What distinguished them from others was the absence of host or hostess and the presence of the good-natured eagle flying about like a feather. 
and bowing according to the rules of his art, as he collected the tickets from all his visitors. There was the fact that only those came who wished to dance and amuse themselves as girls of 13 and 14 do who are wearing long dresses for the first time. With scarcely any exceptions, they all were, or seemed to be, pretty. So rapturous were their smiles and so sparkling their eyes. Sometimes the best of the pupils of whom Natasha, who was exceptionally graceful, was first, even danced the pas de Charles. But at this last ball, only the Écossais and the Anglais and the Mazurka, which was just coming into fashion, were danced. Eigel had taken a ballroom in Pesikov's house, and the ball, as everyone said, was a great success. There were many pretty girls, and the Rostov girls were among the prettiest. They were both particularly happy and gay. That evening, proud of Dolokhov's proposal, her refusal, and her explanation with Nicholas, Sonia twirled about there. Sonia twirled about before she left home, so that the maid could hardly get her hair plaited, and she was transparently radiant with impulsive joy. Natasha, no less proud of her first long dress and of being at a real ball, was even happier. They were both dressed in white muslin with pink ribbons. Natasha fell in love the very moment she entered the ballroom. She was not in love with anyone in particular, but with everyone. Whatever person she happened to look at, she was in love with for that moment. Oh, how delightful it is, she kept saying, running up to Sonia. Nicholas and Denisov were walking up and down, looking with kindly patronage at the dancers. How sweet she is. She will be a real beauty, said Denisov. Who? Countess Natasha, answered Denisov. And how she dances. What grace, he said after a pause. Who are you talking about? About your sister, ejaculated Denisov testily. <laughs> uh, Rostov smiled. "'My dear Count, you are one of my best pupils. "'You must dance,' said little Iogel, coming up to Nicholas. "'Look how many charming young ladies.' "'He turned with the same request to Denisov, "'who was also a former pupil of his. "'No, my dear fellow, I'll be a wallflower,' said Denisov. "'Don't you recollect what bad use I made of your lessons?' "'Oh, no,' said Iogel, hastening to reassure him. "'You were only inattentive, but you had talent. "'Oh, yes, you had talent.' The band struck up the newly introduced mazurka. Nicholas could not refuse Eigel and asked Sonia to dance. Denisov sat down by the old ladies and, leaning on his sabre and beating time with his foot, told them something funny and kept them amused while he watched the young people dancing. Eigel, with Natasha, his pride and his best pupil, were the first couple. Noiselessly, skillfully stepping with his little feet in low shoes, Eigel flew first across the hall with Natasha, who, though shy, went on carefully executing her steps. Denisov did not take his eyes off her and beat time with his sabre in a way that clearly indicated that he was not dancing. It was because he would not and would not, and not because he could not. In the middle of a figure, he beckoned to Rostov, who was passing. This is not at all the thing, he said. What sort of Polish mazurkwa is this? But she does dance splendidly. Knowing that Denisov had a reputation even in Poland for the masterly way in which he danced the mazurka, Nicholas ran up to Natasha. Go and choose Denisov. He is a real dancer. A wonder, he said. When it came to Natasha's turn to choose a partner, she rode and tripping rapidly across the little shoes trimmed with bows, ran timidly to the corner where Denisov sat. She saw that everybody was looking at her and waiting. Nicholas saw that Denisov was refusing, though he smiled delightfully. Delightedly, he ran up to them. Please, Vasily Dmitrich, Natasha was saying, do come. 
Oh, no, let me off, Countess, Denisov replied. Now then, Vaska, said Nicholas. They coax me as if I were Vaska the cat, said Denisov, jokingly. I'll sing for you a whole evening, said Natasha. Oh, the fowie. She can do anything with me, said Denisov, and he unhooked his sabre. He came out from behind the chairs, clasped his partner's hand firmly, threw back his head, and danced, and advanced his foot, waiting for the beat. Only on horseback and in the mazurka was Denisov's short stature not noticeable, and he looked the fine fellow he felt himself to be. At the right beat of the music, he looked sideways at his partner with a merry and triumphant air, suddenly stamped with one foot, bounded from the floor like a ball, and flew round the room, taking his partner with him. He glided silently on one foot half across the room, and seeming not to notice the chairs, was dashing straight at them, when suddenly, clinking his spurs and spreading out his legs, he stopped short on his heels, stood so a second, stamped on the spot, clanking his spurs, whirled rapidly around, and striking his left heel against his right, flew round again in a circle. Natasha guessed what he meant to do, and abandoning herself to him, followed his lead, hardly knowing how. First he spun round her, holding her now with his left, now with his right hand, then falling on one knee, he twirled, around, twirled her around him, and again, jumping up, dashed so impetuously forward that it seemed as if he would rush through the whole suite of rooms without drawing breath, and then he suddenly stopped and performed some new and unexpected steps, when at last, smartly whirling his partner round in front of her chair, he drew up with a click of his spurs and bowed to her, Natasha did not even make him a curtsy. She fixed her eyes on him in amazement, smiling as if she did not recognize him, what does this mean? she brought out. Although Agil did not acknowledge this to be the real mazurka, everyone was delighted with Denisov's skill. He was asked again and again as a partner, and the old men began smilingly to talk about Poland and the good old days. Denisov flushed after the mazurka, and mopping himself with his handkerchief, sat down by Natasha and did not leave her for the rest of the evening. Alright, there we go. There's a chapter for you. Denisov's got the moves and he's also got a little crush on young Natasha. Alright, have your say about that one on the subreddit. Thanks for listening and I'll see ya tomorrow.